the work you do for your clients feels fulfilling and impactful, but running a business? That feels hard. You're not only in charge of your client work, you're also head of marketing, management, admin, client satisfaction, systems and processes. Yeah, it can feel overwhelming. That's where this podcast comes in. You're listening to The Simple Business Show with me, Nisha Woolery. Each week, we'll discuss simple ways to start, market, and organize your service-based business. My mission? To teach solopreneurs how to simplify their business so they can earn more money by doing less stuff. Let's dive in. Hey guys, Nisha here, and I'm super excited to be talking with you again because today's episode is all about how I built a six-figure online business and saved 110k by the age of 26. Now, this might be nothing to some business owners um, or compared to some, and it might be a lot to others, but either way, I'm proud of what I've done and what I've achieved in my business by my mid-twenties. And yeah, especially considering that like I stopped my education after high school. So in the UK, for me back then, um, you could finish education at the age of 16. So that's what I did. I come from the fourth poorest town in the UK, according to Google, and I was a Pizza Hut waitress and retail worker before I started my company. So I feel like if I can do that, if I can go from Pizza Hut and retail to profitable online business owner who lives her dream freedom lifestyle, then lots of other people can too, because I am not special. (laughs) Like I don't have these special skills. I'm not like a genius or anything. I didn't have any financial help or any family members or friends who had businesses and experience that they could, you know, pass on to me and help me with. I didn't have any business or marketing experience other than a failed Etsy shop that I had tried and failed to run at the age of like 16, 17. Um, And I'm sure that a lot of you who are listening to this don't have or haven't had those things either. So this episode is dedicated to giving you a behind the scenes look at my marketing. So we're going to look at the strategies and mindsets that I've used to scale to 5k months and then six figure years. And I'll be sharing as well how I've saved 110k by the age of 26 because I have a few savings tips for you that I thought I would just throw into this episode because I know that from talking to friends and different things like this. I know that not everyone likes to save, not everyone is good at saving, but I am that person who, (laughs) I am that person who actually loves to save. Like I don't mind spending either, but I'm really good at saving. So it's something I love to do, something I'm good at. So I figured I would throw some saving tips into this episode too. The reason being that I do think sometimes we can get caught up in you know, building the income or the revenue that our companies and our businesses uh, build. But what can sometimes happen or what you see happen to some entrepreneurs is their businesses, they build them up and the bit, the income that their businesses are making is really good, but they're not paying themselves very well, or they are paying themselves and then spending everything and they don't have anything in savings. So to me personally, it's really important um, what I pay myself what you guys pay yourselves. And also it's important to make sure that you save money as well and not just focus on how much money your business makes, but also focus on what you pay yourself and what you save. First, before we dive in, I know it can sometimes feel discouraging seeing other people's numbers in their businesses. And while this isn't really like centered around numbers, it's kind of, I guess, one of the episodes that are more like that in, in my lineup of episodes, because I've never really made an episode like this before. I've just said the word episode so many times. <laughs> but what I mean to say is I know that with episodes like these, sometimes we're inclined to compare ourselves and our numbers to somebody else's and feel inadequate. And that is why I haven't made an episode like this before. I know that we all have a tendency to compare our numbers to each other because all business owners do this at all levels. The person making 1k a month sees the creative making 5k a month and feels like, 
how is she doing that and I'm not? Or you'll see a business owner making 50K who looks at someone who makes 100K and feels like she isn't good enough. You'll have business owners in their six figures, seeing entrepreneurs who are making seven figures and feeling like a failure in comparison. We all play the comparison game at times. And that is me, by the way. I have definitely at times, definitely not anymore, but at times in the past, I've been that person who has compared her income to seven figure business owners and been like, should that be where I am as well? I've told this story before actually, but one of the most like well-known, I would say, seven-figure entrepreneurs in the online business space is someone that I actually used to refer web design clients to when we both started out because we both started out with web and graphic design businesses and she didn't charge as much as me. So I would refer people to her who couldn't afford my packages. And now she's a freaking millionaire, guys. So trust me, I know how you feel if at the moment you are going into comparison mode because I've had my moments where I've thought, what did I do wrong? Like, how has she made that happen while I am in six figures? And we both started out at the same level. But you know what? Comparison really honestly is the thief of all joy. I know it's been said time and time again, but it's so true. You and I are not here to compare our income to anyone else's, to compare our marketing to anybody else's, our savings, whatever it is. We should be proud of the sheer fact that we all make a living online, that we're doing this damn thing. Because so many people don't do this. So many people don't work online. So be proud of that. No matter how much you make, how much you've saved and how big or small your business is. Each person's version of success is different and should be different. I did a whole episode on this, on defining your version of success. It was episode 33. So go and check that out. But everyone's version of success is different and everyone grows at different paces. So please try not to use this episode as a stick to beat yourself with, but instead as some advice for how to take your business to 5k and then 10k months, if that is what you want. Even if that isn't the income level that you want, I feel like this episode is still going to be packed full. Honestly, it's going to be one of my most packed episodes full of tips and marketing strategies today so they can help you. Even if you don't want to go to five or 10K months, I'm sure they will help you grow your income by $500, $1,000, $2,000, whatever feels good for you. So let's dive in. So I'm, I'm guessing that the problem that a lot of you are feeling right now is you want to make more income, but you don't want to overwork yourself. You don't want to be promoting yourself all the time. You don't want to be on social media all the time. You want clients to find you. You don't want to have to go out and find them. Here is what I say to everyone who talks to me about marketing. You can't expect consistent clients or consistent income if you aren't marketing consistently. Show me one entrepreneur who doesn't have at least one way that they market consistently. For me, that's email marketing. There may be other things that I am not like super consistent with, but I will always send out my emails week after week consistently and I have done so for years. So maybe for other business owners, it's showing up on Instagram stories daily. And maybe it's, like I said, sending emails out every week. Maybe they publish a YouTube video every week. You don't have to do all of these things, but you need to be consistent with at least one marketing strategy. However, listen up because there's something that I want to make really clear. Consistent marketing doesn't have to be hard work. It doesn't have to take up all of your time. You don't have to be on all the social media platforms trying all the strategies because I know that we are all inclined to do that, you know, like be on Instagram and YouTube and Clubhouse and TikTok and LinkedIn and all the things. You don't have to be working all the time and hustling like a crazy person and being all over the internet. It sounds pretty exhausting to me. And to be totally honest, the entrepreneurs who you see 
who are on multiple platforms, like me, I'm on multiple platforms. This video will be on my Facebook page. It'll be repurposed onto YouTube and onto my podcast. But it's not just me doing that. There's literally three people involved in my podcast. Um, there's me, there's Kirsty, my virtual assistant, who uh, takes this video and turns it into a blog post and an email for my email list. And there is Dan, my podcast editor, who turns it into a podcast episode. So whenever, if you're a one-person business, this is what I'm trying to say. If you're a one-person business and you think you have to be on all these different social media platforms and, you know, content places, and you see other entrepreneurs doing that, so you think that's what you should be doing as well, just keep in mind that entrepreneurs who are on all of these different places often are not posting to all of them alone. They have a team or they have a VA or somebody like that who helps them with that. Consistency with your marketing, particularly content marketing, because I know that's what so many of you struggle to be consistent with. Consistency does not mean breaking your back to stick to a consistent pattern that is not doable for your schedule. Consistency also doesn't mean that you can't have breaks. I am an advocate for breaks. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll definitely see me have some breaks from time to time. And then you'll see me have like three months of consistent content because I'm gearing up to a launch. As I said earlier, you'll also see me like sending emails every single week, half of which are automated because I have like a one year funnel, which is filled with once a week emails that go to each new subscriber when they join my mailing list. But I also create a brand new email that goes to the entire list once a week on top of that funnel. So in total, people get two emails from me per week. To be consistent, doesn't mean you have to be perfect though and never miss a post or an email or a video. Consistency simply means you show up more than you don't. And I'm going to repeat that again because I think it's really important. Consistency simply means that you show up more than you don't. Consistency in your marketing is literally the major difference between a business owner succeeding and failing. I honestly believe that so much. And I think that it's a lesson that I learned really heavily in 2020. And I'm going to be like, I'm going to be really putting a priority on consistency even more so in my business in 2021. It's so simple, isn't it? Consistency. And yet it isn't easy. Easy and simple are often confused for each other, but they are two separate things. And I really wanted to say that because I often talk about running a simple business and I don't want you to get that confused with the word easy because I don't necessarily think that business is easy and I don't think that it should be easy because business is meant to be a challenge. It's meant to push you out of your comfort zone. It's meant to grow you as a person. However, just because it's not easy doesn't mean that you can't do it. We can do hard things, as Glennon Doyle says. I think that's who it was. If you eat, for instance, healthy, nutritious foods some days, but most days you eat McDonald's and Ben and Jerry's ice cream and Snicker bars. For a while, you will not see a difference in your health, but in a year you will. You'll feel sluggish. You'll feel tired. You might weigh more. You might have, have illnesses like diabetes. If you're eating like crisps every day and like chocolate every single day, for instance, and this is like all you eat because you spend most of your time eating junk and only a small amount of time eating nutritious food. Now, if it was the other way around and you consistently chose to eat healthier food most of the time and junk food some of the time, you'll find that in a year you would be feeling healthy and energized and your skin and hair would look good and you would feel good all because of what you chose to do consistently. You didn't eat well all the time, like a freaking machine programmed to only drink green juice and eat veggies. <laughs> you had times when you had a McDonald's meal and you had a Ben and Jerry's and you had a bar of chocolate, but you were more consistent with the healthy food than you were with the unhealthy food. And that's the approach that I like to take to marketing and I encourage other people to take. As long as you are marketing consistently most of the time, it's okay if you don't some of the time and it's okay to take breaks. 
In my corner of the internet, we don't expect perfection from ourselves or from others, and we do not overwhelm ourselves with unsustainable marketing schedules. So what have I done consistently over the last, how many years have I been in business now? Eight and a half years, <laughs> long time. How, what have I done over that time to reach 5K months and then six figure years? So as I was mapping this episode out, I narrowed it down to about seven things. So I'm going to share those with you now. Half of them are marketing foundations. The other half are marketing strategies. So don't worry because I'm not about to give you like seven marketing strategies or social media platforms that you should be on and just piling lots of, you know, to-dos on you. So the first thing I want us to chat about is mindset. Mindset, mindset, mindset. One thing has proved to be true in all aspects of my life. I'm just checking that my microphone's on. Yeah. (laughs) I panicked for a moment then. I thought, oh no, I've got this far in and my mic's not even on. One thing that has proved to be true in all aspects of my life is if I don't believe I deserve something, I won't get it. If I don't believe that I'm good enough, I won't get something. Self-belief is... 50% of a battle towards achieving any goal that you have, including business and income goals. The reason why is because when people don't believe that they are worthy of something, that they really deserve it, that they are good enough to make it happen and skilled enough to make it happen, it results in three things. So one is a lack of confidence, two, a lack of effort, and three, self-sabotage. Lack of confidence results in you not actively showing up and marketing your services because you're scared that people will hire you and then be disappointed by you and discover that you're an imposter or something. And so you avoid marketing because you're scared of success. And I'm guessing that you're also scared of being pushy and salesy, like entrepreneurs that you possibly see marketing poorly. A lack of confidence and self-belief makes you procrastinate instead of doing the marketing that you know you should be doing. It makes you never stick with the marketing plan that you started. So what I mean by that is like, have you ever started a marketing strategy? Like maybe for instance, you started to post on Instagram consistently and then you did that for two weeks, didn't see results and then you gave up because you didn't see an immediate return on investment. Well, let me like show you what that is like in a different scenario. So let's say you're going to, okay, let's put it like this. Are you going to get real life-changing results from going to the gym for two weeks? Like if you went to the gym for two weeks this January, maybe you went for another few weeks in August, by December, you're going to have a six pack. Or do the real results come when you have been consistently going to the gym for much longer? Consistency and self-belief is everything. Someone who believes in themselves is confident in their ability to make their goals happen and will see the bigger picture and stick with their marketing longer because they believe in themselves, their ability, their work, their skills, and the impact that they want to make and can make on people who choose to hire them. But they can only make that income if they actually market themselves and their services and get those people to hire them. Self-belief makes marketing honestly a thousand times easier and it makes your success not only possible but inevitable. My money mindset used to be wildly different to what it is now. I can remember there was a time when I wasn't making very much money and I had something like £10 in my current account and I was that person who would give a lift to my friends in my car. And it was only like a 20 minute journey, but I would be that friend who asked them for petrol money or gas money, as my American friends would say. And I would just be that really annoying friend. And um, yeah, and I just used to think that money was just this really limited resource and there wasn't enough of it, that it was something that I had to really hold fiercely onto. I also used to have this belief that making money means that I'm ret- that I'm materialistic. But I started to change that mindset and actually become just really neutral about money. Like to me, money is just freedom. It's not your worth. It's not your happiness. 
it's not my happiness. Um, it's just freedom. It gives you the freedom to live in a nice place, to travel to incredible countries without staying in crummy hostels and sharing bathrooms with strangers. Gives you financial stability to have savings and to hopefully buy a house. Um, different things like this. Money is just freedom. And there's more than enough in the world to go around everyone. You're worthy of having money. Having money doesn't, in itself, doesn't make you materialistic. And I think, and I believe that you can attract money by doing something that you love. Attracting money can be easy and it can be fun. When you fully embody these new money beliefs and you start thinking from a place of there is enough versus from this place of lack and fear, then making money becomes a lot easier because, I don't know, because asking for it becomes a lot easier. And you turn it into a game where you don't take it so seriously and you don't have as much fear around it. And I really think that making money can feel like a fun game. I mean... For me, if anybody is listening to this who's inside of my course, Organize and Automate, you know that there's an income plan inside of module one, which I also personally use and have used for years in my business. And I really enjoy using my income plan spreadsheet, which is in that course, um, inside of Organize and Automate, because I love looking at different price points and different things that I could launch and seeing, you know, how I can bring in money in easy and fun ways. So the second thing I want us to chat about is niching down. So niching down to attract your perfect fit clients while becoming known for something. Most struggling solopreneurs that I help have one thing in common. They don't have a niche. So if you can relate, definitely comment below with a yes. Maybe you are a life coach who helps boutiques, freelance designers, accountants, law firms, new moms, all the people, or maybe you're a freelance website designer who also sells coaching and copywriting and photography, all the things. When you try and speak to everybody, you speak to nobody. If you can solve a specific problem for a specific person, you're going to stand out from the sea of competitors offering the exact same services as you. You're going to easily and quickly establish yourself as a go-to expert. And you're going to be able to be specific with your content because you'll know exactly what your tribe is struggling with. You'll know their deepest desires and even the language that they use when talking about these things. This all helps your tribe to connect with you. And when I say tribe, I mean like your ideal clients to connect with you on a deeper level, which makes most people or which makes more people, I should say, want to hire you. So when I first started my business, I sold graphic design services. And right from the get-go, I had a niche. It was blog design. So I didn't sell um, logo designs, branding, websites. I didn't work with business owners or corporate companies. I just sold blog designs to female bloggers. That was my very first niche. And then I branched out a little bit to selling logo designs, website designs, brand designs, but I still had a niche and my niche then became my style. My style was very girly and hand-drawn and almost like childlike. That was when I sold design services and that helped me to build up a really loyal audience of followers who became clients and would later go on to become students in my courses and digital products. In fact, I'm willing to bet that there are still people who will be listening to this on my podcast who have been following me for like eight and a half years since back in the good old days when I had my design studio. It was called Betty Red Design, by the way, for anybody who can remember that. I would love to know if you've been following me for that long. So if you're watching this as a video, comment and let me know. If you're listening as a podcast, slide in my DMs because I would love to just see who's been around for so long. As the years went by and I kept selling design services, I also began to introduce digital products. So things like eBooks, I had a membership site for a couple of years and then went on to create an online course. And to begin with, when I started selling digital products, 
I had a niche and that was for, that was web and graphic designers. So I didn't sell my eBooks and my courses to just anybody, to just copywriters and coaches and VAs and all the business owners. I chose to narrow in and just sell to web and graphic designers. This meant that I could create an online course that stood out from all of the other online courses in the same category because mine was solely for designers. And at that time, nobody else had a course like mine that was just for designers. So this meant the course sold really well. And I think it reached about six or 700 students before I broadened out from that niche. And I decided that I built up enough of an audience, enough expertise enough credibility that I could now broaden out of my niche and go into teaching online service-based business owners and not just freelance designers. So my point here is don't be afraid to choose a niche just because you feel like you'll be stuck with that niche forever. This is a common fear that business owners have that prevents them from niching down in the first place, but it's just not true. It's good to pick a niche if you are in your first few years of business, if you're just starting out, and also if you are struggling to reach consistent 5k months, because a niche will really help you to grow your income and your business and your audience quickly. Because like I said earlier, it's much easier to become known as an expert for one thing than it is for lots of things. Once you have built up your audience and you've built up your expert status and credibility and trust, then you can branch out from that niche and you can start being a bit broader like I've done in my business. Now, I don't just help designers grow their businesses. I branched out and I now help creatives start or scale online service-based businesses to 5K months without overwhelm so that they can have the time, location and financial freedom to live the lifestyle they dream of. This is broader than my other niches, but it's still not so broad that it doesn't make people stop and think, yes, that's exactly what I want. Because I'm still being specific with who I help, which is creative online service-based businesses. It's not product-based. It's not in-person businesses. I'm specific as well on what I help them do, which is create consistent 5K months without overwhelm. I have a course coming up all about that in March. So stay tuned. Yeah. And I also have an online course with over a, over a thousand students in it called Organize and Automate. And it helps uh, online service-based business owners go from overwhelmed and stressed about their business to being an organized business owner with time-saving systems, processes, and tools. So I'm also, you know, I'm specific on why I help them you know, build businesses that make 5k months without overwhelm. And it's so that they can live the freedom lifestyle that they dream of. Lifestyles where they have the time, financial freedom and location freedom that they want. You know, often people, creatives come to me saying that they want the freedom to travel the world, for instance, comfortably without stressing about running out of money on their trip. Or people will tell me they want to have the freedom to live wherever they want in their country. And others just want more time freedom to be able to work part-time and still make good money so they can spend more time with their friends and their dogs and in nature. A freedom lifestyle looks different to everyone. And that's what I'm passionate about helping people build for themselves by creating a business that generates consistent 5k months. And I do have a course, like I said, coming up all about that. So stay tuned. But basically the point of what I'm saying is if you want people to land on your website and read your content and say, OMG, this girl gets me, then you need to be specific about what you offer and who you offer it to. So let's move on to point number three. So point number three is, I know my value. I know the value of my service and I've charged for that value. And the same goes for my courses. There was a time when I charged about $800 for a design package and then I raised that price to about $4,000. And I still booked clients because I knew the value of my service 
And I knew I wasn't charging for my worth and I didn't need to charge for my worth. I needed to charge for the worth of the transformation my service provided my clients. We've got to get out of this habit of charging what we are worth. You are priceless. Just like every other human being on this planet, you are all priceless. We are all priceless. Clients do not care what you are worth as a person. They don't care where you studied, how many years experience you have. What they care about is what you can do for them and the transformation that your service can provide for them. If you can position your business and service as something that can get someone the result that they have been dreaming of, people will pay more for that because it's high value for them. Whereas if you just talk about the deliverables of your service, the experience you have, why you love what you do, clients won't want to pay as much for that because that's not what they are coming to you for. I even see creatives in the online space talking about how people can become whatever they are, for instance. You know, like a copywriter might start writing social media posts about how to get started as a freelance copywriter. But then I notice they are not selling any services or courses that teach people how to become a copywriter. They sell copywriting services. So why create content that is going to draw in the wrong people? Like it, it just doesn't make sense to me. I know this is slightly besides my point of what I was talking about and I've gone on a bit of a tangent, but I'm going to go there. <laughs> and I also see like, um, so people will do that, like how to become a copywriter, but they don't actually have a course on that or anything. They just sell copywriting services. This is an example. So you're just going to attract people who want to become a copywriter like you. You're not going to attract anybody who will hire you for your copywriting services. And the same thing goes for when I see creatives creating content on how to DIY something. Like I'll see a Squarespace website designer create a blog post all about how to DIY your own Squarespace website. And it's just like, why? do that because all you're going to do is attract people who want to do it themselves. Your content is not going to attract people who are looking for someone to do this for them. So if you don't like sell a service or a product on whatever it is, whatever the topic is for the content piece that you've made, stop talking about those topics because that's not what your ideal client is looking for. So talk more about the transformation and what your service can help your ideal clients achieve. Show case studies of these results that you've helped your clients achieve and position your business and service as high value because that is what clients are looking for and that will position your service in their mind as worth more money. I talk more about this in my previous podcast episode, episode number 45, um, all about should you raise your prices. So definitely check that out if you're thinking about raising your prices and things like this, topics like that, but you're feeling hesitant and unsure. Just wanted to quickly interrupt this episode to let you know that I have a free roadmap you can download called Start Your Online Business in Just One Month. In it, you'll learn what you need to work on every day for one month to get your business going. I'm talking about defining your services, prices, packages, everything. So head to nishawoolery.com slash 30 day roadmap to download yours today. So point number four is to build expertise, trust, likability and credibility. And I position myself as an expert in my niche. Here's the harsh reality. No one will want to pay you higher prices if they don't see you as an expert and if they don't know you, like you and trust you. This is really about building not just a business, but building a brand and using storytelling in your brand to develop an emotional connection with your audience and deepen your relationship to them. For years, I've used storytelling to connect with my subscribers and my followers and you, like my wonderful, amazing community. So for instance, I often tell the story of how I went from being a Pizza Hut waitress and retail worker to being a six-figure online business owner, because that helps me relate on a personal level 
to business owners who are perhaps still side hustlers and feel stuck in a day job that they don't like. And I'm sure you've also heard me mention the story of the time when I was in McDonald's and it was really busy. The queue was super long and I'd reached the front of the queue and I was terrified that my card would decline and I would be embarrassed in front of all these people in this queue and in front of my friend as well. So I'm not proud of this, but I lied to my friend and I told her I had forgotten my purse and asked if she would pay for my meal and I would pay her back. That was the state of my business finances in the very beginning, but I pulled through, knuckled down. I took my business to 5k months and then six figure years. And I couldn't, I couldn't like, but at that time, like back when I was in McDonald's, I couldn't even be sure that I could buy a McDonald's meal without my debit card declining. And I tell that story in my business, on my podcast, in my social media content. I tell that story to connect with people who perhaps are in a similar position in their business or are just going through a slow stage in their business where they're not booking clients consistently and they're worried about the financial stability of their business. Storytelling is a really powerful way to build no like and trust in your brand and business and become not just this business owner who is selling people stuff, but become someone that people can relate to, someone who actually understands them and has maybe even been where they are and can help them take their life and business from where they are to where they want to be. So let's move on to talk about video marketing. So video, (laughs) the topic that I'm sure many of you right now are thinking, oh gosh, don't even tell me to get on video. But video is something that I used to be really uncomfortable with as well. In fact, there was a time when I couldn't even do an online um, Zoom call or a Skype call with potential clients with my camera turned on because I was so nervous. I just would shake like a, (laughs) for some reason, the only image that came to my mind was like a wet, soggy cat. You know, the cats that are just like shaking in the rain. Like I looked like that when I would go on calls with potential clients and I was just so nervous and shaky. I didn't even want to turn my camera on. And now in 2021, I make Instagram story videos and I go live on Facebook and I record videos of myself on my laptop, I turn them into podcast episodes, IGTV videos, you get where I'm going. So if you're an introvert like me, I 100% understand how nerve wracking it can be, especially if you are nervous about not just conveying your information and getting your point across and providing value to people, but nervous about how you look. Because I know that may sound vain to some of you, but I know to many of you, you may, that may be the thing that is holding you back from being on video. I was telling a friend and a student of mine the other week about one of my fears, which is, it isn't, well, it actually isn't a big fear of mine anymore, but it used to be. Um, Sometimes I used to feel like if I don't look totally perfect on video, someone that I date in the future, because I'm I'm single, so like somebody that I date in the future is inevitably going to Google me, find my videos. (laughs) And I used to think, what if they see a video of me with my hair looking frizzy or just something like that and just go off me, just like think that I don't look that good and just go off me. And my student made a really good point. It was actually... um, It was actually Roger from My Social Designer, who is a student of mine and an epic business owner and social media content creator. And I interviewed him in episode 39. But Roger and I were talking about, you know, things that make us uncomfortable in business. And I brought this up and he said something brilliant. He said, you know, if a guy is going to Google you, watch your YouTube video and go off you because he thinks your hair looks messy, then he is not the one. And I wanted to share that with you guys here because here's how I see it. We all have hangups and insecurities around showing up on video and on camera. And we maybe see something about ourselves that we don't like on video, like our nose, our teeth, our hair. But most people watching really don't care. Like they do not care about you 
about what you look like. They care more about what you're saying and the value that you're providing and how you can help them. In 2021, in this year, I believe the businesses that will grow the easiest and the fastest are the ones that use video. And that's because your ideal clients are so used to seeing businesses use video now that when they see a business that isn't, it can cause an immediate disconnect. And I think video allows your ideal clients to form an emotional connection to you because every video that you make increases their trust in your expertise. And not only that, but it humanizes you so that they can see the real person behind the business. I say this a lot, but people don't want to hire you know, brands, I don't think. People want to hire real people. If you hide behind your logo and your branding, it causes a disconnect between you and your ideal clients. Video is a way that creatives in particular can stand out in their industry. I'm talking about designers, copywriters, VAs, um, people like this, because most creatives do not get on video for their business because they prefer to hide behind their portfolio. It's definitely more like, video is definitely more of a thing that is used, I think, by coaches, the coaching industry, course creators. But in the creative industry, the creative service industry, it hasn't caught on so much because that industry is filled with so many introverts who shy away from the camera. But if you can get over your fear of the camera like I did, and be one of the creatives who actually makes videos and doesn't hide behind their portfolio, but shows the person behind the work, then you can stand out in your industry. You can build credibility really fast and build an expert status as someone who really knows what they're talking about and is confident in their ability and their skills. And this way, you don't just build a business, you build a brand. And I think that's really important because I've said this in previous episodes, but I'll say it again. If you build a brand and not just a business, you can pivot to sell pretty much anything in the future. So once you have conquered selling services and you've reached consistent 5k months, which is what I would suggest to people, to be honest, before switching to digital products, once you've done that, you could very easily add a digital product to your service suite or to your like product and service suite and sell it really well because you've built up a loyal tribe of raving fans. So don't just try and build a freelance business, build a brand. It will give your business so much flexibility in the future. Okay, we're going to move on to point number six. I'm so thirsty today, you guys. <laughs> taking so many water breaks but this is a pretty long episode so I think I'm I think I'm entitled to those so point number six is email marketing email marketing is my number one source of sales for my digital products and even when I didn't sell any products and I just sold services email marketing was a really big part of that and I'll explain more about that in a second as well whenever I open up coaching spots I only have to send an email to my coaching waitlist, which is like a segment of subscribers on my email list. And I get clients. Like I don't have to talk about my coaching availability very often at all on social media. You won't really see me talk about it that much because I've built up this email list of people who are engaged and are willing and ready to work with me. I don't think, I really don't think my business would be where it is. In fact, I know my business would not be where it is today if I didn't consistently utilize email marketing. I know you've probably heard this a million times, but email is literally the only form of marketing that you own. Like I really like Instagram, for instance, but if Instagram closed down tomorrow, you would lose all of your followers. Same goes for places like Facebook and YouTube, but you own the email addresses that are on your email list. So say if your marketing, your email marketing platform closed down, for instance, you could just take all of those email addresses to another email marketing software. So I've used email marketing consistently every single week 
I guess with the exception of like a few breaks here and there, but I've been using email marketing consistently every week for about seven years. Even when I was selling design services, I had weekly emails that I would send out. And I also had a free email course that people could sign up to that basically helped them with their brand strategy because I was selling, like at this point, I was selling web and brand design. And it was actually this course, this free course was actually secretly preparing them to be ready to work with me on their design because I'd noticed some things that stopped my clients from feeling ready to work with the designer. And it was mainly all brand strategy based things. So I just removed those objections by helping them to sort out their brand strategy in a free course before working with me. And what I noticed is whenever, by the way, I will talk about that strategy of like free courses and, you know, my email marketing funnels and all of these things inside the course, the marketing course that I'm launching soon. But here's what is interesting. Whenever I booked a client, a design client, I would go into my email marketing software and I'd check if the client had completed my email course and they always had. So it really shows the power of email marketing for warming up your potential clients to a point where they are ready to work with you. My emails warmed them up so that they went from being a cold lead to a warm lead. And if you're not sure what that means, a cold lead is basically just someone who's just come across your business and doesn't know you or like you yet or trust you yet. And a warm lead is someone who knows, likes and trusts your business. So they pretty much like know what you sell already and how you can help them. And they are ready and warmed up, aka primed, I guess, to work with you. Email marketing is just a really great way to turn those cold leads into warm leads by sending them regular emails that educate them and provide them with lots of really great free value. When someone gives you their email address, they're giving you access to a sacred space. They don't just give to anyone. Your email list, therefore, is a goldmine of potential clients. So if you don't have one, you need to get one. And if you do have one, but you're not regularly sending them emails and providing them with free value and helping them get to know you and how you can provide a transformation for them, then you are leaving thousands of pounds or dollars on the table. Okay, so moving on to my last point over here before we move on to talking a bit, a bit about savings. Um, my seventh point is Instagram. So Instagram is something that I became a lot more into, I would say, in 2020. Yeah, I would say I became a lot more into Instagram in 2020 and I started to take it seriously as a part of my marketing strategy in 2020. Whereas before then, I was pretty sporadic with my posting and I used to just, I would just let my VA write most of my posts for me, to be honest. Whereas nowadays, I typically write like most of them, my VA will help write some and then I'll just tweak them to make them my own. But um, but yeah, I wasn't very consistent with Instagram before 2020. In 2019, it was the lowest of all of my social media marketing strategies in terms of which social media platforms brought in the most sales for me. So by the end of 2020 though, Instagram was my highest converting social media platform when it comes to bringing in sales. Um, so there's email marketing, which includes my videos, my webinars, which are just long videos, and my podcasts. That came top of the list um, as my biggest source of income. And then Instagram comes next. And I believe that this is because Instagram is one of those places where your potential clients and your customers can really get to know you on a deeper level through Instagram stories. They can see you day to day on your stories. They can see behind the scenes, hear your voice, see you as a real person and so much more. And they can see you as well interacting with others, you know, interacting with your students and clients. And it just helps them build trust in you and see you as somebody that they can trust to, to give their money to and actually get something worthwhile in return. You may notice 
in this episode that this is a pattern. Marketing in ways that help your audience get to know you on a deeper human level and connect with you emotionally. And the reason why is because buying is an emotional decision. It's not a logical decision. No one buys something purely based on logic most of the time, unless it's something really silly, like I'm going to go and buy. So after this, I'm going to go and buy a mop, (laughs) a new mop. Um, Yeah. So unless it's something like that, I guess that's a logical decision. But like most of the time we buy things because we're making an emotional decision to buy that thing. We buy the coat that we saw in the shop window that we walked past because the coat makes us feel and look pretty or we buy the puppy because we feel less lonely with the dog around. We buy ourselves flowers because it makes us feel valued. It makes us feel like we value and love ourselves. All buying decisions are emotional decisions. We'll often buy something because of a feeling that it will give us or like an identity that it gives us, which is why um, people buy Apple products, for instance. Like most, I'm pretty sure that you could go and find laptops that are just as good as MacBooks. Or I'm sure that there are some Android phones that are just as good as iPhones, yet Apple users like myself will buy Apple, not really because of the specs on the products or anything like that, but mainly because we want to identify ourselves as the type of person who uses Apple products, a creative person. Some people may identify Apple with like more well-off people or whatever. And so because they want to be like that, or they like to identify themselves like that, they will buy the things that back up that identity. And yeah, that means that it's an emotional, a very emotional decision when we buy things. Um, Even when we buy like business services and products, we buy a course on organizing our business and getting our time back because we feel overworked and overwhelmed and we're sick of that and we want peace of mind again. See, like buying that course was an emotional decision. I think that's why it's really important to make an emotional connection with your potential clients and focus on talking about the transformation your service can give them internally and externally versus talking about your experience, where you studied and things like this. Now, I know I mentioned that point earlier on in this episode, but people really do like to buy from real people and not like cold, faceless businesses. So when your potential clients see your smiling, friendly face on Instagram and on your Instagram story, and they see you being funny and having a laugh on your Instagram reels, it just humanizes you and your business, which I believe makes potential clients more comfortable in reaching out to you in your DMs or through your contact form. Speaking of reels, by the way, I have been, I know we talked about this in that episode I mentioned, me and Roger. We talked a bit about reels then. And since then, I've been getting really into reels big time as part of my Instagram marketing strategy. And I have to say it's working really well. Like I gained 800 followers from just one reel. So If you want me to create a podcast episode all about that, comment below and let me know. And if it's in demand, then I definitely will. So Instagram, I think, is a really great place to connect with your ideal clients and actually have conversations with them. Whereas on other platforms, like if you have a podcast like this one or you have a YouTube channel, people can leave comments and reviews, but they can't send direct messages to the creator like they can on Instagram. Plus, Insta is the place where you're, well, I'm guessing where most of your ideal clients hang out. I think it's where the majority of people, it's the social media platform that the majority of people are on the most. So meet them where they are. Okay, before we go on to talking about savings, let me just take a sip of my water again. This is a very long episode, guys. <laughs> I hope you're sticking with me. And if you if you have stuck it out to this point, then well done. Um, I hope that this has provided some kind of value for you. Do let me know. So let's talk a little bit about savings because I said I'd talk about how I've saved 110K by my mid-20s. Well, it might be more than that now since I wrote this script, but let's dive into that a little bit. 
This part was something I was actually almost going to cut out because I'm really not that person that talks about numbers because I know it's really triggering for some people. But I am committing to being like transparent this year in my business and my content. And so, yeah, so this is something I decided to talk about in this episode. I do want to start off by saying that I don't have debt because I didn't go to university and I've never gone into debt on my credit cards. Because my rule is when it comes to credit cards, like if I can't afford it, I usually just don't buy it. Um, The only time that I use my credit cards is to buy things like flights and hotels and stuff like that because it's at all protected. But yeah, I have often either lived at home with my family or I've traveled. So I've lived the digital nomad life for most of my 20s. So I've like bounced around countries (laughs) or I've lived with like a housemate, um, Eloise. And sometimes I've lived in countries where the cost of living was surprisingly not as high as the UK. So like Nicaragua was, I I was there for a while and that was like super low cost. So I was able to save pretty well there. And when I lived in Asia, that was also really low cost. So that helped me save. Obviously living with my family has helped me to save as well. And there have been times when I have lived in more expensive places like London and New York. So it has, the cost of living has in those places has been much higher, but I've still always been conscious to give myself a savings goal every month and stick to that. And I just set it up as a standing order. So I don't have to, you know, build up the courage every month to send that money across to my savings accounts and not spend it. Like I just have always used standing orders to send that money to my savings accounts for me so that I don't even have to think about saving. It just happens on autopilot. But yeah, if you need to save for something in particular, like a house or a wedding or something, then moving back in, like don't, I I think that there's no shame in doing what you need to do. So like downsizing your apartment or moving, moving back in with your family while you put your head down and you build your business and you save money. I don't think that there's any shame in that because it really, really will help you in the long run. Other tips for saving, um, I would say have different savings accounts for different things because having 110k in savings sounds like a lot, but it's not like all in one account. I've broken it across various accounts. So I'm going to break those down now. So I have a house account, which is where the majority of my savings goes. That's for um, going towards a mortgage, which I don't have yet, but I definitely plan on buying a house sometime in the near future. For now, I'm moving literally in like three days, but I'm not buying, I'm renting for like six months so that I can basically just see the state of COVID and whether I could go back to traveling again after six months. And if not, we'll see about whether I continue renting or whether I buy. But I've always been conscious that I do want to buy a house someday. And I am not that person and never have been that person who just knows, I can hear that there's a delivery. Um, Sorry. I, yeah, I've never been that person who thinks like, I'm just going to bank on meeting a man and like, then we'll be able to do this thing together. Like in the back of my mind, I've always known that like there's a possibility that I might reach a certain age where I'm not in a relationship. Like currently I'm not in a relationship. And so because of that, you know, I am going to be the sole person who pays for my mortgage and buys my house. And so I've always been wary of saving for a house myself and I've made it a really big priority of mine because I don't want to get to a point where I can't do it on my own. Like I really think that buying my own house by myself would make me really proud of myself. So that's one of my goals. And that's why I have saved so hard for, I've also got another account an ISA, which is basically a savings account that you don't pay tax on. And there's a restriction on how much you can save into it each year. And I have a what's called a LISA account, which they I think they stopped offering in the UK last year in 2019. But basically I can save 4K each year and they give me 1K, um, but I have to like save the 4K to get the 1K. So that the money in that account can be used towards a mortgage 
or it can also be used towards like retiring or something like this. But in my mind, it's going to go for my mortgage. The other accounts that I have are life savings. I have a profit account, which is just for anything really. It's like um, an emergency fund account for rainy days or things like this. I have a a wedding account, which is very optimistic, I know, because I'm single, (laughs) but I kind of like, the reason that I made this account was because I do believe that one day I will get married when I meet the right person. And I don't want to be like, I don't want to reach that point and not have money for my wedding. So I just save a bit each month for that. Plus it's kind of my way of like telling the universe that, you know, this is what I want. So (laughs) that's like the most woo that I get, I guess. Yeah, and I have a travel account where I save for my travels. And then I have a business account, but I haven't included the money in my business account in my like the savings total because I just don't class that as savings. But basically in my business account, I, I don't class it as personal savings, but in my business account, I have about six months of my monthly wage in my business and enough money for my expenses. Um, And that just gives me some security and stability just in case something happens, like, I don't know, like if the internet goes down or we have a global pandemic, like we have the past, I don't know, the past year. Yeah, you just never know what is going to happen and how it's going to impact your business. And I don't spend too much time dwelling on you know, thinking of the negatives of what could happen to my business in the future. I just find it helpful to always have six months of wages so that if anything happens, or maybe I can't work for a while if I get ill or something like this, if anything like that happens, I just like to know that I will be okay for a few months and I'll still also be able to pay my subcontractors and um, my business expenses. I, another point on savings is I never, well, I rarely ever move money from one account to another one. Like I will never ever move money from my house account, for instance, to my travel account. Cause I'm just really strict with myself about that. Because I think if you get into the habit of taking money from your savings a little bit here and a little bit there, it can like snowball into this bigger habit that eats away at what you've saved. My final couple of points on savings and assets and stuff is just some ideas, I guess, for the future in in terms of savings and assets. I like the idea of investing, which I've never done before because to be honest, it scares me. But then I heard somebody say, you know, we're living in a day and age where we all have Google at our fingertips and all we need to do to learn something new is literally just Google it and invest the time to learn it. And so investing for me has always been that thing that I've said, oh, I don't want to do that because it kind of scares me and it seems really complicated. I don't really understand it. And this year, my thoughts around that have kind of changed because yeah, I do have Google and I can just learn. I can read the books. I can watch the YouTube videos. I'm sure it wouldn't be too hard to learn through an online course or something like that. So that's something that I would like to consider this year. And what I would like to consider in the future is flipping, buying and flipping a house or buying a house, flipping it, and then like selling it or renting it out. But that's just an idea of mine for the future, potentially. For now, that's not something that I want to do, but I would, I would, I think I would find that really fun to do in the future, a fun way to provide, to build like a different revenue stream in the future. So, um, I'm excited. I'm excited to try these new things. I'm excited to eventually, you know, sometime in the near future, buy my own home because, you know, I'm excited to be a woman who can buy her own house on her own, especially a black woman, because I think that there was a time not too long ago where this would feel near impossible for most women. So this is something that I would like to do for myself in the near, in the near future. So I hope that that gives you just a, a decent idea of how to get better at saving 
I spend too, by the way, I'm not tight. <laughs> I just don't spend on useless stuff very much. But I would say that I'm pretty balanced with saving versus spending. Like if I see something I love, I have zero hesitations in buying it. And if I see something that would be really beneficial for my business, like a really great business investment, whether that is a course or a mentor or something like this, I literally do view it as an investment and I can see and focus on the return that I will get on that investment. And if the return is worthwhile, I have no problems investing in my business. When your money mindset evolves though, you know, so do your spending and your saving habits. You get better at saving for future events. And when you see something you love, you don't like worry so much about buying it because you know that you're worth it. And if it's a business investment, you can see the return more clearly instead of focusing just on what you're paying for it. And also you you learn that money is an unlimited resource and there are lots of ways, creative ways that you can make it. And you, you learn to trust in your capabilities to create money in your business. Lastly, before I wrap up this very packed episode, one more thing that I want to say on money mindset. How you buy is how you sell. If you struggle to invest in yourself and your business, I promise you, you're going to struggle asking for others to invest in your business as well. Why? Because you're asking them to do something that you are not willing to do yourself. So get comfortable buying and investing in yourself when it's the right thing. I think getting comfortable with that is just as important as learning how to save And also, I think, you know, touching back on that point of like how you buy is how you sell. If you're the type of person who buys things like, um, like online products, then rips off the, the product creator by buying the thing, downloading the thing, and then asking for a refund, then guess what? That behavior is rooted in scarcity and lack of integrity. And that attitude will bleed into your selling and your business positioning too. We attract what we are because we literally radiate what we are and like attracts like. So if you don't want to attract clients who rip you off, then don't rip off other business owners. So before we end... Let me do a quick recap because I have covered a lot in this episode. So here's a recap of the seven marketing foundations and strategies that I mentioned that helped me get to 5k months and then six figure years. The first thing was mindset. The second was niche. The third was pricing and positioning. Fourth, establishing expertise, trust, likability and credibility. Fifth was video marketing, sixth was email marketing, and seventh was Instagram. And remember, consistency is the only way any marketing strategy will reap results. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. It's been really, it's been a really fun one to create. Um, I've just noticed it's gone dark. It's like almost 4 p.m. here in the UK and I'm recording this video and it's gone really dark um, in the video. But I hope that you've enjoyed this and I will speak to you in next week's episode. Hey friend, thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss future episodes. And if you're feeling extra motivated by what was discussed today, I would seriously appreciate it if you'd open up the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave a super quick review. Honestly, your reviews tell iTunes that this podcast is worth listening to. And iTunes then gets this show in front of more solopreneurs so they can get the help they need to bring more inner calm to their business. Okay, that's it from me today. Thank you for listening and I will speak to you soon.